0: from trendsetters media it's setting the trend a podcast where we sit down with product marketing leaders to see how they think ideate and create the best products in the world i'm carson foley and on today's show we talk with jake bajorseth the ceo of trendsetters media and we talk about gen z trends amazon's future and why his coffee taste isn't good but great stick around everyone, welcome on Jake Bajoriceff, the CEO of Trendsetters Media and the Chief Trendsetter um, and one of my good friends. Jake, welcome to the show.
1: It's an honor and a privilege to be here, Carson. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Well, Jake, before we get started, I want to warm up ourselves. I want to warm up your brain. I want to warm up my brain. So we're going to go through a quick round of quick hitting questions. So just answer them the best you can um, to these first like 10 questions. They're going to be quick. All right.
1: Fantastic.
0: All right, Jake. Morning or afternoon meetings?
1: Um, Afternoon. Why? Because morning, I like my deep focus, get shit done time. Afternoon, I kind of like shooting the shit a little bit more.
0: Awesome. Music or quiet? Music. Blaring. Blaring? What kind of music?
1: Ghetto-ass rap music (laughs) plus, like, some hard rock.
0: Nice. Okay. Favorite desk snack?
1: Um coffee because I don't eat snacks because I intermittent fast until I'm done working every day.
0: So, throughout the whole day, you don't eat? Yes. Incredible. Okay. Standing or sitting desk?
1: Um, actually, um, standing.
0: Standing desk? Yes. Nice. First thing you do when you wake up?
1: First thing I do when I wake up is obviously check my phone and chug like a ridiculous amount of water and i read the morning brew email
0: interesting the morning brew that's a quick shout out there yep first thing you first thing you do when you get home from work or from the office besides work
1: okay first thing i do when i get home from the office is i like throw everything down I rip off all my clothes. I put my oatmeal in the microwave, which I always eat every day. I have a secret recipe. I make a protein shake. And then I sit down and read while I chow down on my first meal of the day. And it is always the, my best, like, it's not my favorite moment of the day, but it's like the one thing that I will always do no matter what that day is like, eat my oatmeal, have my protein shake, and read. And so it's kind of that like grounding moment for me.
0: Interesting. Last thing you do at night.
1: Last thing I do at night is um, read. I try to like read and then let my, let my, let uh, essentially then let myself uh, fall asleep.
0: Read. Okay. That's, that's a good note for people that are trying to make themselves fall asleep easier and something that I've also seen in my life reading before bed is so helpful
1: yeah okay one of the biggest things i mean uh there's plenty of science behind it but particularly avoiding your phone and that blue light sensor i just notice when i read before bed i wake up a lot more rejuvenated um as much as i want to like sit in bed and watch like an hour of youtube videos um r- if i read i'm going to fall asleep faster and it's gonna be better for my health so i'm not a scientist but um I've read some articles, uh, spent some time on medium. Um, so I'd say I'm qualified to give that advice.
0: Absolutely. Favorite book before bed.
1: Oh, favorite book before bed. So I always switch them up, but, uh, actually what I'm reading right now is I think it's called undaunted courage or daunting courage or something of that nature. It's essentially about, um, it's like the entire history of the United States from, um, particularly Lewis and Clark, like, covering that expedition and actually how wild that was which there's i could go into rabbit hole right now but I'll, I'll stop myself
0: yeah lewis and clark no that's interesting because that's not a business book and it's it's non-fiction which i think is yes. interesting because a lot of people read fiction before they go to bed because it doesn't get their mind going but you read a non-fiction book so i think that's interesting and something i haven't heard before
1: Definitely, definitely. But it's one of, for me, it's one of those things where it gets my brain. Like, it is nonfiction; it's factual, but it's also you know topics I haven't discovered and things I mm. haven't seen. So, in a way, it still opens my mind up the same way a fiction book would. And then also for me, I'm very much a visual um, seer. So, like when I when I hear things, I can very easily visualize them, and my my mind will run with that. So, I don't necessarily need that that fiction input um, to to produce that more so more like calming mind um, that that idea generation so and for me like whenever I read uh, fiction books I essentially feel unless it's like futuristic sci-fi uh, predicting the future I essentially feel like I'm wasting time because I'm like you know how is this gonna how is Harry Potter gonna relate to what I'm doing <laughs> like I'm sure and, and that's what I always love like those English classes right where it's like I'm sure that this can relate to something but if we have to stretch it to make it work, it's just like, eh, I think we're going too far.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, no, I totally get that. Okay, course, two more yeah. questions. One's related. One's completely not related. Gotcha. Favorite marketing book.
1: Okay, favorite marketing book. Um, right now. Right now, shit. Uh, so right now, my favorite marketing book that I consistently re tap into is Ogilvy on advertising, both the original copy and the um, now new version uh, for the digital era. Because okay. Okay. I think a lot of people, we view marketing and advertising like it's so new, um, all these different mediums and such, But and of course they are, but at the end of the day, people are people and that doesn't change. And there's so much we can learn from some of the greatest uh, copywriters some of the greatest TV radio adverts um, that were initially, you know, established and be- became kind of the go-to that can translate to today's market. What I see is in today's market, everything's so fragmented. Everyone's trying to, trying to learn tactics. They're trying to learn uh, specific mediums and channels and they think those are the actual answer when in reality the overall strategy is the answer. The, Brand message and uh, emotion that you invoke with your consumers matters significantly more than your ability to post on TikTok. Should those two work together? Yes, but one cannot perform well without the other. So, getting back to the roots of brand of marketing is, I think, so vital. And I think uh, you know, there's no denying what you know Ogilvy as an agency has done, mm-hmm. um, and you know you know so I think uh, I think that's a good place to start there's plenty others like it but I would say that one because it is so like in the roots of what what was advertising
0: interesting okay I mean I think that's really that's really helpful for a lot of people so we'll try to figure out a way to shout that book out a little more if it's going to bring that much value to people um, last quick hitting question to your coffee you've kind of answered this already
1: Oh, yes. Uh, ridiculous amounts of coffee.
0: What kind of coffee?
1: Uh, straight up black coffee, or, well, I guess straight up black coffee, hot or cold. Either cold brew or um, just hot coffee. Like, honestly, hot coffee, I don't even enjoy the taste. I just drink it. Um, cold brew, I love cold brew. So, okay. if I have cold brew all the time, I would, but it has way more caffeine comparatively. And I try, I'm trying to avoid an, uh, an overdose on, um, on caffeine. So I'm, I sometimes just stick with hot coffee and which, it's more like relevant.
0: Which brand of coffee do you enjoy?
1: God, I'm such a sellout millennial piece of crap, but honestly my favorite brand for cold brew is Starbucks. And,
0: and that'll um, wrap up the interview today. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Jake, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it.
1: Of course, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not my fault. Everyone else makes – you can – at like talk to Evan and I about this and we will explain the theory because we hate it too. But for one, they have 50-cent refills on cold brew. So if you're going mm. to Starbucks to work for more than an hour or even just 30 minutes, Grab a cold brew, chug it, and then grab another one on your way out, save it for the next day. It's going to be 50 cents. Also, that's a hack, by the way. Wow, Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. No one knows it. Literally, the managers at Starbucks don't know it. I go ask for a refill. They try to charge me regular, and I go, "Um, no, give me the refill price. And I have to argue with them. And then they're like, oh, I didn't even know we do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I got I got the insight. Inside Intel, similar to Google Hangouts, which I now just disclosed to the public again.
0: Um, we but, don't use Google Hangouts. We use Zoom, right, Jake? Yes,
1: we use Zoom. Yep. <laughs> Google Hangouts, definitely don't check it out. Um, but Starbucks, it's dark. It's darker than everyone else. Everyone makes like really lame cold brew that is really watered down and then you put ice in it and then it just becomes more watered down and i love supporting local but i need if if i get a cold coffee i need that to be uh, like as black as night if not it's going to be watered down i already know if it comes out kind of brown looking normal coffee looking that's a red flag for me and i have not i have not come across one local coffee shop that and i've tried them all I have not come across one local coffee shop that can make a great cold brew. Roasteries is pretty good, but not great. Um, someone makes some, someone, speaking of product marketing, can someone make a cold brew that's actually good <laughs> that isn't Starbucks? Because I'm sick of supporting Starbucks and buying, paying $5 for coffee.
0: Local coffee shops, if you're listening to this in the, in the KC metro area, make a decent cold brew and we'll all buy it from you.
1: Yes, I will literally sign up on a subscription for every single one of our team members, uh, to get two cold brews each per day. So that's right there. That's that's going to be twenty cold brews per day times thirty days a month. That's six hundred cold brews. Cut me a deal. <laughs> sell it for me to you know sell it for a dollar per cold brew per day. Mm-hmm. I will buy that because it will boost productivity by two to five percent. So it's already ROI positive.
0: There that's you fair. go. Okay question about Starbucks coffee in particular. Are you more tied to the taste of the coffee or are you tied to the brand of Starbucks?
1: No, um, 100% the taste of the coffee because I am the cheapest consumer and um, I actually prefer not to get Starbucks, but damn, their cold brew is just too good.
0: So if Starbucks went out of business today and all their stores closed nationwide, everything shut down in the Starbucks corporation, you would not miss it for a second in theory. No. I think that's so interesting. And, and here's yeah. why. You just talked about for the last three minutes how much you love Starbucks, how much you love Starbucks coffee, or like their cold brew, right? Starbucks, mm-hmm. Starbucks, Starbucks. And then I come to you and I ask you, if Starbucks were to go out of business today, yeah. it, you wouldn't miss a beat? No. So when we're talking about product marketing, and that's kind of why I asked the question, right? we're talking about product marketing, in theory, they didn't do a very good job of marketing their product that well because if another competitor comes in, they don't offer a competitive advantage. Um, like you said, if a local coffee shop were to offer the same tasting cold brew, you would immediately jump to the local coffee shop. Exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah, And for, and for me personally, the way... And the reason that is defined as that is because I see that local co- – like that fits into – that would better fit into my hero's journey.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: let's take let's – take, let, and let's really dive into that, for example, because I think this is so valuable for the realm of product marketing, of which we actually just finished up a uh, – um, Carson, I don't even know if I sent you this, but we just finished up a really uh, unique insights campaign. Uh, working actually with Ogilvy, and then also I can't disclose who, but a top two beverage company. Um, so you know, uh, nice. One of those. So um, so we we actually you know uncovered a lot of insights in this, and so let's take that Starbucks thing for example. The reason I would prefer a local coffee shop is because my personal brand as a trendsetter—that's what I like to call myself—because mm-hmm. I don't. Do what other people are doing. So thus a local coffee shop would better appeal to that. Now, a local coffee shop, if they were to get too mainstream or too foo-foo or too too clean or nice, then now all of a sudden that's not gonna appeal to me because that's not low-key, unique. I wanna find things before they come out, such as Roddy Rich, of which I was on the train in 2017. Now he had the number one album. For like eight weeks, you know, to start this year. So
0: shout out TikTok. But
1: that's not about Gen Z being trying to be unique and setting trends and such. That's just my particular hero's journey. But Mm -hmm. when we think about product marketing, what we need to understand is what is the role we play in our consumer's journey? Because everyone feels that they are a superhero. They feel like they're the movie star that. This is their personal brand. They need to live it out and they purchase products accordingly. That happens both in the B2B realm as well as the B2C realm. And particularly in the B2C realm, that happens with, you know, just as much as it's going to happen with high margin products, such as like an apartment space, um, which I'm looking into apartments right now, actually, or like a house or whatever. You want that to be dope because you want that to come off your style. But for me, I don't want it to be. Totally like everyone else's, so I don't want to go to one light or two light. I don't want to find like a penthouse at like uh, a unique one-off location that no one really knows about. So that's specific to me. But other people are going to be like, "Oh, I want one or light or two light because that's like the go-to. That's like the luxury apartments, in Kansas City." So these are all specific examples I'm citing of my hero's journey, how I think about it, but also how other individuals do. So you know whether you're and that happens at all ends ends of the spectrum like I said just as much as much as it happens with a highly consumable CPG product like Starbucks in a retail setting that's gonna happen with you know with at car dealerships that's gonna happen with car brands that's gonna happen with apartment locations that's gonna happen with travel all of those pieces um, you know really layer into things and I think that is probably without a doubt the most important thing to note when we think about understanding, you know, younger consumers and their their product marketing preferences, is that this is not about how we lay origin on them. This is about how we fit our, you know, our small agenda and the million things they're doing into just one small but crucial piece in their life. So that way if we were to go away. Um, they would actually miss it and miss us, and I think that's uh, that's something definitely to strive for.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that was everything you said there was one a lot. I think you just yes. detailed out an entire book in one paragraph, basically, right? I think there's a, there's yeah, there's a lot of tidbits in there that we we could break down, um, and I think you know we could discuss even further. But for for the basis of the podcast, right? So we're product yeah. marketing Gen Z based. Uh, podcast, and I think the biggest issue with current product marketing today is that product marketers themselves don't focus enough on the product, and they focus all their attention on the marketing side of things. While marketing is great, right? You you take a company like Movement, Movement sunglasses, and you know glasses and watches, and you know all that they're one of the best marketed companies in the world, specifically yeah. towards Gen Z. They dominated Instagram. Millennials in my generation, we love movement because we know their name, right? Yes. But if you look at the actual products, I have a pair of movement glasses. They're very average glasses. I'm not going to lie. They're extremely average glasses. Yeah. So when we look at the product side of things, they might not be the best product, but because they're marketed so well, they're successful. Now, as... Our generation grows and as we have more buying power and we're not just as influenced by the marketing we're gonna look more at the products and how they serve us the best and I think a great example of this is you know today we use uh, my generation uses Venmo and cash app right as our main way of sending money to and from people and Mm -hmm. for us the reason that is so successful is because of the simplicity of the product right You open the app. It takes two seconds for me to send you money um, or any of my friends send any of my friends money, which I think is incredibly valuable, right? The simplicity Mm -hmm. of it, the saving of time for you, Jake, as you're running a huge company and what's going to become a huge company, right? You're going to need to save that time. That is so valuable for us as Generation Z is the simplicity of it and the time saving. Um, What is a product today that you think on the product side could be simplified and not over not over complicated like it is today, in order to uh, target more our generation, the younger generations yeah. and the ones that are going to come up,
1: yeah, definitely. That's you know, and that's a great question. And I think where where you were initially going with that was regarding the uh, the the product side of things, which, like you said, I think we're so focused on the marketing output that we forget the actual product and Something that I always mention to our clientele um, and just push this in the marketing space is that they, they equally influence each other. Um, and you know, movement is a good example of that. I would say they're more marketing-led. A, a, a unique brand that we've studied quite a lot is Bang Energy. They own you know, upwards of 10%, uh, 10% and greater market share in the energy drink space, which is a wildly uh, profitable and successful uh, industry and market. And so, uh, you know, with them, their marketing is actually, I would say below average, but their product, uh, in terms of the design, the feel and such, does their marketing manpower for them because it looks so sexy when it's on a shelf. And so, um, you know, that's an example at the retail stage, but, but it's happening everywhere and, and they both need to work together. And so when I think about a brand right now, that could probably, uh, you know, create some better experiences, um, you know, consumer wise, I think of a lot of different areas and I think of definitely out of the box areas. Uh, for one, I think about, um, I think about the computing, uh, laptop kind of electronics market. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like everyone is stuck in this game of chasing the iPhone and trying to become iterations of it instead of going in the complete opposite direction. I'd say that, you know, the same thing when it comes to chasing the MacBook, like we, we, everyone in the space is playing this game of catch up and chase apple when if they were to go in a different direct direction um you know i think that might perform better uh when i think about like you know a phone like instead of trying to make your phone say it has a better camera than apple which no one's gonna fucking believe uh say it has better storage or better whatever it's like uh rather than trying to like don't play lebron james in basketball go the completely different direction so you know if i were in the consumer electronics space i would like why does the phone have to be these dimensions why does it have to be like two inches by like six inches you know tall like why does it have to exist like that why can't it be um you know a little four by four square why can't it be that like why are the norms these certain way these why are the norms certain ways and it's important to note that you know gen z um if there was one way to define this generation I would say it's, it's going against the norm, um, which they always say about all generations, but Gen Z in particular defines that with their purchasing power. So what I'd be thinking about is like, how do we make something so unique that's never been done before? Um, that that is going to stand out because that's the biggest thing in the market right now. It's so saturated. There's so many advertisements nonstop. You're not going to win if you just rely on marketing. And so Mm -hmm. doing things unique from a product perspective, um, you know that's always going to be important so i think about consumer electronics changing you know their entire um not like their entire interface essentially like the, the actual hardware um i also think about the um i would say the fashion space which is always ripe for change i think very similarly everyone chases the the main brands in that in that realm um and they they pretty much just follow suit accordingly but like why does a t-shirt need to exist and look like a t-shirt? Why do pants need to look like pants? Like I understand it's because of limbs and like body size and like our biology, but you know, there's gotta be some, some Kanye esque ideas that could exist in that realm. Yeah. So those are two industries in particular that I think are ripe for disruption. I don't know. If, if they will they will they will find that, that disruption in the short term that I'm seeking um, and that I know would be successful but I do hope it happens
0: I, I think the consumer electronics example that you brought up was great right when we're talking about the iPhone and I know demographically this is gonna look extremely different than yeah. um, you know just by demographic but majority of the people that I grew up with had iPhones and yeah. the more I looked into it um, one you can look at the, The branding of apple which is absolutely incredible right they have something that's higher end you seem like you might have more money if you have an iphone or whatnot but then you look at the actual product itself and you look at the user interface design right you see how the the screen is laid out and you see how seamless everything works together you see the ecosystem of Apple, right? You see how mm-hmm. the the MacBook can h- link directly to an iPhone, which all link together with AirPods, which link together with the iCloud. You know, this entire Apple ecosystem was specifically designed for simplicity. And I think that's something that we don't really talk about enough is sure they have one of the best brands in the world. The brand of Apple is incredible, but... They have something so much more and something that they've invested billion dollar, billions of dollars into. And that's the product development and the product side of things. And is something that I think as generations grow up, other consumer electronic brands need to look at more. Right. You look at yeah. a company like Dell. Dell makes a really good computer, a solid computer with, you know, when you're looking at specs, you're looking at storage space, you're looking at that stuff. You know, it stacks up with some good computers. However, they don't have access to the ecosystem that a company like Apple does, and that's something yeah. that's a, that's a reason why Apple's ahead today is because mm-hmm. they thought of that side of the product. And, you know, when we're looking at other com- or other industries, so even even outside of um, consumer e- electronics, is there a company in a similar situation outside of consumer electronics that seems to have a corner of the market that almost looks indestructible? And if they do, how can a company, especially right now, everyone's sitting at home, everyone's kind of just chilling, they have time? How can a small startup make a small impact into you know a virtually indestructible corner of the market?
1: Yeah. So this is going to be a wild answer that I'm sure is going to be met with um, you know some uh, some negative feedback, but I'd I'd ask that you actually do research before uh, getting your mind blown real quick. So, essentially what this is, I actually had this conversation with with the team at Google. And what we were talking about is, think about internet in its infancy stage. You go to Google search, um, or another search platform, search for what you're looking for, find it immediately. Uh, You consume content likely through that medium. you know, YouTube search operates in a similar way um, where then, uh, you know, and obviously Google then acquired YouTube, so it's kind of one and the same now. And the far majority of all internet search happens in, in those two realms. The issue that Google has is uh, now content is becoming diversified um, and it's becoming a niche and and, and put into these silos. So. An example of that would be a lot of YouTube creators now posting videos first on their own, you know, company website, um, or you know, you know, take for example, uh, DoorDash as an app. Well, yeah. technically speaking, that is search traffic that would have initially gone to uh, Google, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So next so you go through all the different industries and you see how all those industries are affected even insurance lemonade renters insurance has an app version of insurance and so you continue on that that pathway and what you see is companies like like DoorDash instead of going to Google to search for food delivery you go to the DoorDash app Um, and so on this continues across a myriad of unique industries now uh, that's a that's a problem for Google, and Google's having you know issues and concerns with that. Similarly, Amazon. When you go search for something on Google or on Amazon, uh, they're going to show you so many different products and whatever. But what happens when that's taken off? So let's say, for example, I'm going to, and here, I think this is a really good example. Let's say I'm I'm searching for shoes. I need some new kicks, and Instead of going to Amazon, I'm going to go to the app that is specific to all the newest, dopest shoes. Mm-hmm. So, and then search there. And what if they had their own search engine and that's gonna work get better and that's specific to the market? Well now, that is dollars out of Amazon's potential. So the question is, does Amazon become commoditized over time because, similar to Google, it ultimately is nothing more than a search engine with distribution on the back end of it. In Google's case, distribution of content. In Amazon's case, distribution of actual products. Yeah. But, you know, now, now the argument I always get, well, yeah, of course that happens with niche products and unique products. But, you know, what about what about just average consumer products that that people are likely ordering off Amazon uh, because they, they don't want to go to stores right now? Well, take toilet paper, for example. Take... Uh, you know, let, let's do all the products you'd find um, in the whatever aisle that's gonna call it, like the, the cleanliness aisle, clearly I don't shop there. Um, so let's say toilet paper, let's say toothpaste, like just the stuff you need to get consistently from time to time, maybe once or twice a month. Well, what if P&G just launched their own app where they offer discounts to that, and what if they set up a recurring, uh, you know, a recurring payment system, right? Now, I'm going to prefer that because they're going to have what I want. It's going to be easy to go to. I don't need to go to the store. I don't need to go onto Amazon, go through that consumer journey. So that's the the industry that I see is ripe for the taking right now. Like, you should be launching uh, apps that either provide content um, in the case of, like, shoes. Like, have on the app not just the ability to buy shoes, but also, like, every single week post, like, the 10 dopest kicks. That are brand new, um, you know. I'd do the same thing. I mean, this could be done at such a, a, a large scale because it's anything that consumers consistently buy through the internet or retail. So uh, that's what I see is an industry that is totally ripe for the tanking. Is just is literally consumer purchasing through online.
0: Interesting. So let's let's play a case scenario out here real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, this will probably happen, but let's say the, you know, an executive at Amazon comes to you and says, hey, Jake, I have a question for you. Yeah. We're seeing all these niche ecosystems kind of come through and all these companies are creating their own apps with their own platforms, with their own marketplaces, and they're taking away our revenue from people not buying on our, on our marketplace. Kind of the exact situation you just described. Yeah. What advice would you give to an executive at Amazon, like a head of product um, somewhere? I don't know how their, their hierarchy works, but what, what's some advice that you would give him so they could better position themselves to, to take that on?
1: Yeah, great question. First thing I would do is really, um, really tr- work to resolve the consumer experience journey Look, there's no denying that like Amazon knows what they're doing, but in, in my personal opinion and a lot of the data that I've seen regarding Gen Z, uh, they're 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 uh they're they're not enamored by any means by the, you know, product purchasing journey. And for me personally, it, it actually bugs me. Like I gotta go through all these steps, then I gotta create an account or log back in. I probably pay for like six different prime accounts right now because I never know what my actual login is. Yeah. And I don't have the app. <laughs> and I just gotta redo it. Um, So anyway, regardless, um, yeah, I mean, what I would say is for one, fix the consumer experience journey. Second, what I would do is start tailoring uh, and building out niches of your own. Um, And that's where you're gonna have some problems. Like what products do you promote? What products do you not promote? What and why? So rather than maybe content, maybe it's in the personalization and tailored area. So an example of that would be, and I'm forgetting the specific brand name right now, but if you go onto the, it's a supplement brand. If you go onto their website, you can take like a quiz, and based on that quiz, they're gonna they're gonna create a specific supplement and vitamin stack for you that is optimized for your health, Mm. Um, and then offer to send that to you. You know, do you want two versions, a daily and a nightly? Do you want just one? Do you just want like? Then you can kind of customize it. So if I'm Amazon, I would do the same thing for young people. Like, hey, I'm going to go in there. I and if I'm purchasing, uh, you know, I'm purchasing uh, snacks and such. You know, on there, I'm going to put in my preferences, and then maybe it, it sends me an update on those preferences once a month with items I would like outside of just the suggested items, where that just becomes kind of a click funnel that you want to avoid. Uh, yeah. So. they. that's what I would do if I was Amazon, um, among the million tactics that that they're probably already working to deploy. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's something that they need to move on fast.
0: Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. Because one, I think our generation already loves to buy online because of how easy it is. We don't have to leave our house. We can have everything shipped to us. And especially in this Corona economy that we've got going on right now, um, I, I think Amazon's only gonna continue to grow and this is basically free marketing and advertising for the Amazon economy that we kind of live in. So I and think that's, something... That's also ahead. the
1: problem though because I think uh, it's like you think you're doing good because you're the go-to but mm-hmm. before you know it, I mean, the second you think that, and I, I know they don't all think that, but I, I know the consumer perception is definitely of that. The second you, th- you got it just because of the way the system is built, that's the second you're going to start losing it and so i think where uh, a dilemma that amazon and brands like starbucks a lot of these what i would call incumbents that have Mm -hmm. won and have seen some success with gen z hell even chipotle um (laughs) when you think you've won and you stop working towards that or you stop innovating there that's the second you're going to lose it all and so i fear the same Potentially happens with Amazon. I'm not, by no means am I saying Amazon goes out of business, but do they potentially lose market share of Gen Z over the next decade? I definitely think so.
0: That'll be interesting to watch. Um, And if that comes true, Jake, you're going to have a lot of uh, arrows pointed at you from the Amazon side of things. But um, personally, I. I think that Amazon's big enough and has enough people speaking into the... They are big, so they probably have a lot more processes in place that prohibit their ability to innovate like they probably should. But mm-hmm. I also think they have enough data um, that they will make some changes. And hopefully, like you said, they'll, they'll make changes in that way. Definitely. So, I, I think that's really smart. Um, just out of respect for time, I have three quick-hitting questions that I kind of want to use to wrap up this discussion. Um, And these are more practical things for the people listening that they could, you know, maybe mimic from you. So Mm -hmm. let's let's hit these. The first one, what do you do every day that exercises your creative side of your brain?
1: Um, So I would say, I mean, I read a lot every day. I also listen to a book summary every single day. Um,
0: What do you use for that?
1: I use an app called Optimize by Brian Johnson, which is awesome. Um, highly recommend that. Hashtag Ad. Um, <laughs> in terms of, you know, other creativity, um, I, for me, my creative time is exercise. So I try to hit the gym for at least, like, one to two hours a day. That just really helps me, like, get my mental right. Um, and that's when I can really, when it, and that's when I'm truly pumped up on caffeine from, like, pre-workout or, like, three cups of coffee. So... Uh, that's my go-to like creative juices and so I would say what, whatever it is that really empowers you and makes you feel good and, and gets your creative juices going that's what you got to go to and most importantly you got to stick to that absolutely um, there's so many days where I like don't want to work out at all but I got to do it not just because physically for my body but mainly because of my my mental for for my brain
0: yeah just give your brain a break, which this kind of leads into my second question about what you do every day that exercises the analytical side of your brain. But I do think it's important no matter what, find a way to get creative just to give that side of your brain a break because I think we Mm -hmm. all use our analytical, whether you're a student, whether you work a day job, um, everyone kind of uses their analytical side a little bit more. So Mm -hmm. curious what's an example of something you do to exercise the analytical side of your brain? Um, Because I think it's important to always use both sides of your brain as much as you can uh, in balance.
1: Definitely. So I am always researching like really unique and insightful data points, um, you know, both internally for us to send um, to our clientele or to update existing campaigns or to pitch on prospects. Um, So I'm always trying to get tapped in up to date with, What's new, and then make insights and decisions based on that. So that really is driving my uh, analytical side of the brain, um, having to, and that it ends up becoming a hybrid. But really trying—I mean, trying to understand people, which is really what we're doing at the end of the day. And of all people, young people who are extremely volatile in their behaviors, which is obviously good and bad. Um, so it's uh, it's far from easy, I would say.
0: Absolutely. All right, last question. Looking at your phone, what's your favorite app right now?
1: Oh, no. Um, I would say the favorite app on my phone is, oh, this is a good one. (laughs) My favorite app is, hold on, I don't want to be a sellout, though.
0: Don't say LinkedIn. I know you love LinkedIn. Everyone probably listening to this knows you love LinkedIn.
1: Yes, I love LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Um, I would say the favorite app on my phone is um, uh, Calm, the uh, meditation, breathing, sleeping app. What's it called? It's called Calm.
0: Oh, Calm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, every single night I listen to like sounds before I go to bed and okay. I do the breathing exercises and that makes me feel incredible, so... That would have to be my favorite app.
0: I would, my favorite is Headspace. So we're on opposite yes. sides of the meditation app spectrum. Um, we, we can have that debate another day because yes, I'm, I, I've used Calm and I think Headspace is a more superior app. But there are certain things about Calm that are really interesting from a product standpoint. And yeah, I think it's really cool. So interesting Definitely. answer, not what I expected, to be honest. I, I expected yeah. you to give a... Uh, I don't know some sort of marketing tool app or uh, a management app that you use, but calm, interesting, yeah, really cool. Yeah,
1: well, that makes those that makes those happen without without the sleep. You can't have all the management. So
0: <laughs> that's a really good point, Jake. I just want to thank you again for coming on the show, your show, our show, the show, the uh, the product marketing podcast that we are currently doing with Trendsetters Media. So um, thank you for hopping on. Uh, I look forward to the next time we get to have a discussion like this. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, thank you for coming on.
1: Likewise, my friend. Thank you for the invite. And, and obviously, I am i can't wait to see this get, get pushed out into the market.
0: Absolutely. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you.